Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. How safe are you really in a world full of chaos? Um, Here's the other question. What is safety? And how do we get to feel safe, particularly in these times when there's so much upheaval and hate in the world? It seems there's so much fear. There's so much to fear. Then there's so much anxiety right now, individually and collectively. How do we manage to feel safe? And here's the best question. Is feeling safe the opposite of fear? Today we're going to talk about fear and safety and come to some perhaps surprising conclusions, so stay here for it. So fear. Fear is something that we all have from time to time. Children, infants come here with a startle response. Their animals will startle if they are frightened. Uh, I just saw a, a kitty cat just the other day on my front porch. We opened the front door and he went flying off the back, uh, the side of the porch uh, to dive down to about a 15-foot drop just because he was so scared of us opening the door. Uh, and so, you know, animals have it, people have it, we all have fear. And I don't know why that is. It's part of our human makeup. But So we, uh, we're not likely to just get rid of fear. Uh, however, we don't need to be run by fear either. And so there's some kind of middle ground where we learn to walk with fear, sit with fear, be allowed to, 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 to run our own lives without fear taking over. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today. But before we do that, I want to talk about safety. This, what is it? What is safety? A lot of times when people are very afraid, they think that the only way to not be afraid is to make everything around them absolutely, certainly safe. That's how people develop agoraphobia. Everything has to be safe. The only safe place in the whole world is in their home. Of course, what we know is that most of the accidents that happen, happen in the home. So the home is not really a safe place either, but in their minds, they're thinking that the home is a safe place and nothing outside the home is safe. They found a safe spot and nothing outside that is safe. And so they just stay in their home, and that's how they create safety in their lives. That's based in an illusion that it would be unsafe to leave. It's also based in the illusion that it's safe to stay. It's based in the illusion that safety is what we have to have in order to not be so afraid. And uh, so, you know, when somebody's obsessive-compulsive about fear, it's because they're trying to lock every door and, 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 and turn off every oven and uh, make sure all the, the, everything is padded down neatly and safely so that they can feel absolutely certain and absolutely safe. But what if, what if there's no such thing as absolute safety? Then what? Then, then how do we deal with fear? Well, absolute safety is based in the illusion that I I have an idea about what that means. It means that everything is all, you know, cozy around me. Uh, all, everything is all safe and cozy around me so that I don't have to fear anything. 
So I've locked everything up, patted everything down, and everything is safe around me. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. But we hear about people going through terrible things. I heard about something the other day about somebody going through a terrible illness, and yet even while they were in this illness, they had total peace. Uh, So how does that happen? How is it that we can walk through terrible times in our lives and have wonderful peace inhabiting our hearts and minds at the same time? Well, we're going to talk about that today. But the first thing I want to, to say is that safety, that, that idea of safety is not necessarily the opposite of fear. So I want, to, I want to be real clear about that, that we don't have to have everything padded down and totally 100% locked up secure before we can ever stop being afraid. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about this for, both from a psychological perspective and a spiritual perspective today. Um, I wrote an article the other day in my blog, which I, so for those of you who follow me, you may want to know about my blog. You may already know about my blog, but you may not. Um, it has over 2 million listener, uh, readers, and it, uh, it, it, so it's a popular blog. And uh, it's called Traversing the Inner Terrain. Traversing the Inner Terrain, and it's on Psychology Today. So you can find it on Psychology Today uh, and, and, and read the blogs there. The latest blog is called Sitting with Fear. And in it, we, I talk about how we can deal with fear as it comes up. So it's not realistic to assume that we will never, have any, never be afraid. Even if we have nothing to be afraid of in the outside world, sometimes we're afraid anyway. So sometimes we have irrational fears, and, uh, and we need to learn what to do with those. And what I recommend in this article is that we learn to sit with our fear. And so I'm taking that strictly from a psychological perspective, and we're going to talk about the spiritual perspective in a minute too. But strictly from a psychological perspective, if you have a constant sense of anxiety uh, and dread things all the time, perhaps medication is one of the ways that you will help yourself to, to, to calm down, to be okay, to be able to manage your life. Um, so I am I, not afraid of recommending medication, recommending psychological, psychiatric evaluations for clients that I see, and, I, uh, and I, I do think it helps many times. And so, uh, uh, so medication may be one of the methods you use, but by itself, it's not enough. There's also some things you can put into your practical everyday life that can help you not be so afraid. So, but we have to learn to sit with our fear first. We have to learn <clears throat> when fear comes up to start breathing and focus on your breath. Focus on your breath. Focus on your breath. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. So that you're focusing on, on just your breathing and nothing else. This fear is still sitting there right beside you, but you're focused on your breath. If you're really panicked, you may want to extend the inhales and exhales out to six, count this count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six, inhale. And, and the exhale is one, two, three, four, five, six. And that helps you calm down. Um, but you're focusing strictly on your breath. And once you've begun to calm down a little bit, you may be able to, and if you're not ready to do this, don't do it, but when you are ready, 
turn and look at the fear beside you and begin to be able to observe it from a, a clinical sort of perspective. What is that? What is a metaphor for that fear? Can you give that fear a name? What does it sound like when it starts talking to you? And most important of all, what is it saying? We need to know what our fears are saying to us. If we never figure out what they're saying to us, we're always going to be afraid. So we need to hear what the fear is saying. And, and then we might be able to mark it down as irrational. Oh, is that what you're saying? Well, that's kind of silly. That's not really going to happen. That's not really real. Or perhaps we can play out the worst case scenario and say, um, you know, that, oh, well, if that does happen, then I'll do this, I'll do X, Y, or Z, and that'll solve the problem. Um, or if it doesn't solve the problem, at least I'll be okay. Um, so, you see, we can, we, once you begin to observe the, the fear, then you can actually hear what it has to say. Once you hear what it has to say, then you can start talking back to it. You can start saying, oh, well, is that what you got to say? Is that all you got? <laughs> uh, is that what you have to say? Oh, well, that's really not true. Or perhaps if it is true, here's what, here, if it does ever happen that way, here's what I'll do about that. Um, and so we can make a plan for our, for our sense of safety. So, um, so that's one of the things we can do when, when fear comes along. We can learn how to develop the observer mode. Then once you have learned to observe, from there, you can step out of the observer no- mode into the nurturer mode. Now you want to self-nurture. Now you want to self-soothe. So now you need to develop some habits that, that are self-soothing. What, what calms you down? What is that? Is it music? Is it dance? Is it walking? Is it talking to a friend? Is it running? Is it exercising? Is it lighting a candle? Is it meditating? Is it praying? What soothes you? You may have to experiment a little bit to find out what that is. And sometimes things will seem to be soothing and then they'll turn out that they're not really so soothing after all. So you might have to just play with it for a while to see which ones really do soothe, which ones don't really soothe. And once you've got a list, I I recommend you make a list of about 10 things that really soothe you. So when one of them doesn't work, you can go to the next one. When that one doesn't work, you can go to the next one. So that you can learn how to self-regulate your emotions. You can learn how to calm yourself down. There's nothing more powerful, psychologically speaking, than learning how to, to regulate your own emotions. That doesn't mean that you won't have emotions. It doesn't mean that you push away emotions. We don't want to just say, oh, I'm not afraid when we are. We don't want to pretend to ourselves that we're not afraid. We don't want to repress our fear and tell it to go down into the unconscious where it just sits there and grows bigger and bigger until one day it has to come out again. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is get to know it. We want to hear what it has to say. And that's, that's very, very helpful. So sitting with our fear is one of the best things we can do. It doesn't push it away. It doesn't pretend it's not there. It deals with it in a real open way. So that fear then becomes, you know, it can walk, it can be in the room. I say we have a, a, a committee that sort of manages our lives. And uh, fear is one of those members of the committee. So it's going to speak up and it's going to have a voice and we want to hear it. We want to hear what it has to say. 
but who's the chairman of the board of that committee? Who's, who's the chairman of that committee? You are. You get to make the final decision. That puts you in charge instead of your fear being in charge. So psychologically speaking, that's some of the stuff we can do for our fear. We can learn to sit with it. We can observe to, learn to observe it. And we can learn to self-soothe. And if you need medication, I encourage you to take it. And, and, take, and go back to see your psychiatrist again and see if, if what you're taking is really working. And if there's side effects that you don't like, then talk to your psychiatrist about that and see if you can either get on another medication or do something about the side effects. Keep working with it until you get it worked out so that you can be an okay person. You can feel okay. You can feel okay in your own skin, in your own life. So medication is one of the tools we have today that is useful, and I encourage its use. Um, so that's some of the stuff we can do psychologically. From a spiritual perspective, um, meditation and, and, and prayer are very often tools that we use to self, not only self-soothe, but to get new information, to help ourselves um, download new bits of information that can help us to understand things better. One of the things I understand to be true about from a spiritual perspective is that if we feel unloved by the universe, if we don't feel really trust, really firmly trust that we are loved by the universe, then we're going to be afraid. We're going to be afraid. Um, and uh, so it's important to, to, to see that. Where does that come from? Very often um, we were raised in homes where we didn't really feel loved. And so we don't think that the universe loves us. We don't think that God, the divine, the universe, whatever you want to call that, uh, loves us. We don't feel loved by universal intelligence. And so we don't trust. We don't trust life. We don't trust people. We don't trust the divine. We don't trust anything except ourselves. And we, we, ha- we have to figure stuff out. We have to get ourselves into an anxious swivet so that we can get and figuring out what we're going to do about it. What if this happens and what if that happens and what if this happens and what if that happens and we get ourselves into an anxious swivet and then we, then we, you know, sit with it until we figure it out. And that's a lot of the how a lot of us manage our lives from anxious moment to anxious moment. I figured that anxiety out. Tomorrow there'll be another anxiety for me to figure out. The next day there'll be another anxiety for me to figure out. It's a pretty hard way to live. It's not very happy. There's not much happiness in that. There's not much room for play. There's not much room for happiness in there. So uh, so figuring out that the universe loves us means that we're getting in alignment with the truth. We're getting in alignment with the truth that we are loved by the divine, by God, by the universe, by Allah, however you phrase that, whatever that, what. Whatever name you give to your the divine is an acceptable term. And, and to, to understand that you're loved by the divine is a very, very important aspect of, uh, of understanding what we can do with our fear. Um, and the truth is that we're taught not to be afraid by the sacred texts of the world. Every single angel that appeared in the Christian Bible or the Jewish Tanakh gave as first instruction the command to fear not. That was the first instruction. The first thing when the, the, they, they saw the angel, the first thing that came out of the angel's mouth was fear not. Why? Because they were probably scared to death. 
Daniel, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament of the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh, uh, was, was so afraid that he fainted when an angel came to see him. Uh, so, you know, don't worry about being afraid, but listen when you hear the fear not. If you are afraid, okay, that's all right. But when you hear the fear not, listen, because it's telling you about love. It's telling you about love. Further, both God and Jesus also commanded those to whom they spoke to be not afraid. That's in, so, so these are in Genesis, in Daniel, in Matthew, in Luke, in Acts, in, Gen, in uh, Lamentations, in, uh, and in the Reve- book of Revelation. Several places throughout the text of the Christian Bible, several places in the Jewish Tanakh, are, uh, we find uh, that we're being commanded not to be afraid. Well, I'm afraid that we are afraid, even though we're commanded not to be afraid. But why would we be commanded not to be afraid? There's not, that would mean there's, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Um, there's a verse in the, uh, the Jewish Tanakh, in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. That's the passage. Because So from a spiritual perspective, we can look at it that the divine is with us, the divine is in us, the divine is an aspect of who we are as, as divine beings, and therefore, we don't have to be afraid because we're not alone. We're not alone. The universe is with us. God is with us. The divine is with us. Allah is with us. Brahma is with us. However, whatever God you're talking to is with us. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. In the Buddhist folklore, when the angels from all the thousands of the worlds appeared to the Bodhisattva Sumheda, their first command was also to fear not. So that's also true in the Buddhist uh, philosophy. In the Quran, when the angels visited Abraham, they also told him to fear not. Several other verses in the Quran tell us that God tells the people to whom he's speaking to be unafraid. So there's, there's several times when we're, we're told, you know, really, don't be afraid. It's okay. I almost hear behind that, I got this. I got this. Don't worry. So we're going to talk some more about that right after this message. Stay tuned for more. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? 
Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tao Chung Life Transformation with Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about fear, about the eye concept of safety, and uh, about what we're going to do about both of those two things. But before we talk any further about that, I want to talk to you about Oprah Winfrey's uh, Super Soul Sunday coming up this Sunday, June 16th at uh, 11 Eastern and Pacific Time. Uh, on the show, Oprah talks to a Holocaust survivor, psychologist, and author, Dr. Edith Eva Ager about her international best-selling book, The Choice, Embrace the Possible. In a gripping discussion, Dr. Eager shares how her traumatic experience at Auschwitz, losing both her parents, shaped her life, her philosophies, and her work as a clinical psychologist. At 91, she reminds us what courage looks like in the worst of times. Dr. Eager helps us to understand that our circumstances don't define what makes us free, and that being free is a choice we must make every day. Dr. Eager shares her healing process and how serving others in her work as a psychologist helped her to formulate a healthy relationship with her own trauma. She openly shares her grief and resilience in hopes that others begin to embrace what is possible for their own lives. So we don't have a clip today. The uh, team at uh, Harpro was unable to get the production ready for us to hear the clip, but I still want to encourage you to get uh, to watch that show, tune in at 11 Eastern and Pacific. June 16th, to hear Dr. Edith Eva Eager talk about um, her survival through Auschwitz and um, how it has changed her life and what is true for her today about resilience. And that brings us back to the whole thing of fear. I am betting that she was scared during some of that time. Uh, um, These are traumas, traumas frighten us. The reason they're traumatic is because they're frightening. Um, So fear is a real thing, and we are going to have to deal with it in this life. We, it does, it, we just don't reach a place where we just never, ever, ever have any fear. We have a very natural and biological startle response that happens when, we, when somebody comes up behind us or when uh, somebody beeps at us in the car or some sudden shift happens. We have a natural startle response, and that's a part of how we protect ourselves. 
we startle and then we figure out what we're going to do to protect ourselves. Um, so it's important to understand that fear is not a bad thing. There's a lot of spiritual teachers out there telling us that fear is a bad thing, that we, we should not be afraid. But I don't want to teach that fear is a bad thing. I, I think fear is one of the things we have to, to deal with in this life. On the other hand, we don't want it to run our lives. We don't want it to, to be the central force in, in our decision-making. We want to make our decisions based in peace and in truth and in love, not in fear. Um, so we have, to, we have to learn to sit with the fear so that it can talk with us, so that we can hear what it has to say, and sometimes we can then say, oh, well, that's not even true. And sometimes we can say, well, if that is true, here's what I'm going to do about it. But one of the big things that's true about fear is it's, it's all about the future. Whenever fear comes up, it's, all, it's generally speaking about the future. The future. Now, if, I, if I'm about to have an automobile accident, my fear is still about the next few minutes. You know, with, when the next few minutes I might have an automobile accident, but that fear may also kick in and help me to do all the right stuff so that I don't get hurt in that automobile accident. So fear is, again, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing we don't want to run our lives. And, uh, and so when, you know, when we talk about what does fear say to us, what are some of the messages fear gives us? What are some of the irrational messages fear gives us? Like I said, most of the time it's about the future. Um, it's about what happens in, in the future. We are afraid that our image will be uh, shamed. We're afraid of shame. Most of us have some really deep-seated fear that we're going to be shamed. So we don't want to be exposed publicly to anything that's going to shame us publicly. So we have a fear of that. Uh, most of us don't want to ha- don't want to uh, have bad things happen like automobile accidents and 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 um, uh, fire houses burning down through fire or or um, illnesses happen. We don't we don't want those tragic things to happen to us. Unfortunately, this is life. And things do happen, so we can't keep them from happening by being afraid that they will happen. Uh, we can't prevent those things. What we can do is be uh, close enough to the divine, close enough in our spiritual walk with the divine to walk through that valley of death without fear. Um, because, what did we say earlier? Because thou art with me. Because we're not alone in it. Because the divine is with us. And and. You know, I don't know about you, but I have struggled with uh, a passive divine. An idea that the divine just sits up there and watches and doesn't do anything to help. Um, and that, that idea comes from old stuff in my family of origin. But it's not really true. The divine is very active in our lives, mostly because we are also divine beings and we are active in our own lives. Uh, but also because the divine in its essence that is bigger than who we are, is also very active in our lives so that there's, there's, uh, there is a, a true uh, interaction going on between us and the divine at all times. We can push that away into the unconscious. We can pretend it's not there. We can get out of sync with it and get out of alignment with it so that we don't experience the synchronicity of it. But but it's also possible to be in alignment with it so that we do experience the synchronicity of it and we do feel loved and we do feel taken care of in some very deep and powerful ways. 
So what we want to do is have uh, have a life that's close enough to the divine so that we are in alignment with that love and so that we're not feeling fear all the time. So when we're, when we're fearing, feeling fear all the time, and I say all the time meaning it literally, when we're feeling fear all the time, we are out of alignment with the truth. Because the truth isn't to be afraid all the time. The truth is that we're loved and we're taken care of, and that if we are staying close to the divine, if we stay under the shelter of the divine's wings, as some one of the ways it's put in the Old Testament or the Jewish Tanakh, uh, or if we, if we stay in meditation, as it's put in the Buddhist faith and the Hindu faith, uh, you know, these are ways that we can really stay connected to the divine in ways that make us feel more peaceful and show us through demonstration that we're, we're protected in some powerful ways. doesn't mean we don't ever get sick or have automobile accidents or have, you know, bad things happen, but it does mean that we walk through them without that fear overwhelming us. So, so it's important to understand that, uh, that fear has some messages, and some of its messages are irrational. So the irrational me- one of the irrational messages, this is going to be horrible. It's uh, what uh, um, Albert Ellis, one of the psychologists of today, called awfulizing. His work is still out today. I think he's passed on now, but his work is still out today and popular. It's called Rational Emotive Therapy. And... Um, and he, he called that awfulizing. So we make something that's just an event into an awful event. In our, in our minds, it's horrible. It's terrible. It's, we won't survive it. It's hard. just don't know how we're going to manage it. And that, that comes up a lot with, with fear. When, when fear speaks to us, it awfulizes very commonly. Um, so we can listen to that. We can sit with the fear and hear it awfulizing and go, oh, that's awfulizing. That's that. Now, that's an exaggeration of what's possible to happen here. And so we can then go, oh, okay, well, that's not rational. And then that helps us to calm down. Um, The worst thing we can do for ourselves in the midst of fear, I'll say this now, is to tell ourselves to just hurry up and calm down. Just calm down. Have you ever had somebody yell at you to calm down? The first thing you do is get either angrier or, or you get more afraid. One or the other. So it's, it doesn't really help for, for you to command yourself to calm down. But you can calm down by sitting with it, by observing it, by, by hearing what it has to say, by arguing back with what it has to say, and by then doing some self-soothing. And um, so that's very important. But some of the self-soothing it, it can be very spiritual in that prayer can help. Um, Sometimes the, the breathing prayer that is meditation, that's just focusing on your breath and focusing on your breath and focusing on your breath, and suddenly you get in touch with your beingness, that deep essential core of who you are that is deeply connected to the divine, that uh, allows you to feel that peace that floods through when you connect to it. Um, being connected is the thing. People talk about being grounded. They talk about being centered. What they really mean is that now I'm connected to that deep inner core of who I am. That deep inner core is also connected by a fine, thin thread to the divine. And, and that is my soul. The, the, it is my spirit. It is the authentic self, the deep essence of who I am. All those words are interchangeable. Uh, the deep inner essence of who I am, the authentic self, the soul, the spirit, synonymous terms for the same thing. 
that that so that we can know that um, we are connected again. We are grounded in that connection. That I'm I'm aware of my deeper self. I'm aware of my connection to the divine. I'm aware that I'm okay because I'm connected to the divine. Um, there's an old story in uh, the uh, Jewish Tanakh about three characters called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they were thrown into the fire by a king. And uh, I won't go into all this background story about that, but they were thrown into a fire. And people saw them in the fire, walking around in the fire without being burned. And then they walked out of the fire without having been burned. And that's kind of what it's like to walk through your fear. You're, you're, you're walking through that fear in a way that says, well, there's the fire, it's there, but I'm still okay. And that, that requires a deep connection to the divine. It requires that we stay uh, um, connected to that deeper essence of who we are. So meditation is important. On a daily basis, meditation is important, and we're going to talk some more about that. But before we go any further, I want to continue to talk about the kind of messages that fear gives us. So fear can, you know, tell it, it awful lies. It can tell us this is going to be horrible. Fear can tell us that you're going to be shamed. This is going to, get, you know, people are going to shame you, and it's going to be terrible that you, you know, what will you do if people shame you? One of the reasons for suicidality in young teens is they get shamed by their peers who bully them, and they're and they're told that they're worthless, and they're told that they don't they don't know anything or have anything, or they they're uh, they're ugly, they're uh, you know they can't perform in certain ways, and they believe it. That's the problem. The problem isn't necessarily that they're told that, although telling them that is bullying, and we want that to stop. But the problem is that they somehow believe that. that they, these people get the right to define them. And so because they believe it, they go ahead sometimes and kill themselves. Because they, have, they, they, they believe that whatever these people have said, you're worthless, is true. And so they, they go so far as to take their own lives because that's how much they believe that mythology. Whereas... If they had some sense of themselves as okay in spite of what other people said, they wouldn't have to kill themselves. They might be disturbing that other people say these things, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't be so drastic as to take their own lives. And so then they might be able to solve the problem by going to teachers or, or parents or other adults who could help them to stop the bullying or at least uh, maintain a sense of self in the midst of the bullying. Um, so, and we want the bullying to stop. That's what we really want. So, you know, that believing thing is where fear gets hold of us. It says, I've got you. You belong to me. I own you now. And you're going to do whatever it is that I command you to do. And we do it. We get into an absolute panic because fear has said, I own you. And we believe it. We believe that fear has total control, and therefore it does. So believing is the, is the problem. We, we need to check our beliefs, and that's why it's important when we sit with our fear to observe the fear and give it a name, give it a metaphorical image to work with. What does your fear look like in your mind? What, what image does it hold? What name would you give it? 
That's important to do because it, it, it allows you to say, oh, well, that's just Jerry talking. Jerry's my fear. I gave it a name. I called it Jerry. Or I called it monster. Or I, I think of it as a monster. Or I think of it as, uh, you know, an ugly um, ghoul or troll. Um, you know, so we have these thoughts that troll through our own heads and we believe them. And, it, and, and the believing is the problem. So we need to learn to believe something different. That's why that phrase, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, comes into play because I believe that I'm not alone. I believe that I'm being taken care of. I believe that the divine is not just passively with me, but, pa- but actively present in the midst of my where I'm walking, just like those Shadmach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking through the fire, the divine was actively present with them, and they were not burned in the fire. And uh, is that story real or metaphorical? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Its point hits home. And that is that we have the capacity to walk through really difficult stuff and be at peace and be okay. Um, and that is where we don't believe the mythology that the fear is trying to tell us. We don't, it doesn't have hold of us, so it doesn't control us. So fear says, I'm going to shame you, that you're, you're not going to be able to survive the shaming. Fear says, um, you're not going to have enough money. Um, and, but there's passages throughout uh, several of the world's texts that tell us that if, if we stay, Jesus said, if you, if you stay close to the kingdom of God, is what he called it. Um, then you'll be taken care of. Put put the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what Jesus said. Uh, you know, the Buddha, the Hindu, the Bhagavad Gita, other things say that these are things we don't need to worry about. They'll 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 take care of themselves. We just need to be take care of our spiritual connection. And so when we when we do that, when when we take care of our spiritual connection we feel at peace regardless of what's going on around us so our circumstances don't control us and our fears don't control us our faith controls us so faith and not and i'm not talking about just the westernized version of faith but but faith in the divine that is us the divine that we are the divine that that is uh, all around us actively engaged in interaction with us um so, so fear also says, it says you're not going to have enough money. It says you're not going to have enough time. And what happens if you're late? What happens if you're late? We get so anxious about being late. What's going to happen if we're late? We'll be late. That's about it. Somebody might get mad at us for being late. Okay. And, you know, so what if they get mad? You know, we have such a big fear of making other people mad. So we, we let that dominate our lives and our choices, and we say, oh, my gosh, I can't be late because they'll get mad at me, you know. And, I'm, and what I want to do is give them the power over their emotions and not try to control them with my behavior. My, my behavior is not meant to control your emotions. So I'm late. Okay, that's me being late. If you get upset about it, that's you getting upset. That's not me making you upset because I don't have the power to make you upset. I do have the power to decide how I'm going to feel about, you know, my own tardiness. 
I do have the power to talk to myself and tell myself the truth about my own lateness. And the truth is that if you get mad, that's on you, not on me. That's your reaction to an event, not my, my creating that reaction. I don't have that power. We can talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned some more. Stay tuned for some more right after this break. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Mental illness affects more people than you might think. Now there's a program that showcases support resources, how many people in our society view mental illness, and how the culture surrounding it is changing. Listen for We Are Hope with co-founder and host Sean Perry. Mental health is being seen as a public health crisis, and we want to help, support, and listen. You'll hear the discussions and conversations that need to happen. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. If you are looking to deepen your understanding of karma, the law of attraction, metaphysics, mindfulness, and intuition, be sure to tune in each week for You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind with host Katherine Potter. Catherine and her insightful guests will show how everything interconnects, explaining concepts and modalities that connect the mind and body. It's a refreshing look at the universe and the laws that govern it. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, hosted by Dr. Dory Lynn. Dr. Dory is coming back. Sexy, savvy, and with sage advice from nearly eight decades of life experience. It's not retirement, it's refirement. It's fun, it's deep. Listening just makes you feel good. If you're looking for straight talk without all the bull in the world, be sure to tune in to Dr. Dory and Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Make an appointment listening right now. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141 That's 1-888-346-9141 you can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for our final segment, talking today about fear and safety and coming to some different conclusions than those that we some commonly come to, that in fact, safety is not necessary for us to, we don't have to have absolute safety in order to not be afraid. It is possible to be unafraid in even very difficult circumstances. Um, It is possible to be even in peace in very difficult circumstances. And that's what we want to develop. We don't want to have to wait till the circumstances get just right before we can stop being afraid. Because that just postpones uh, our peace. Um, So we want to be able to understand 
that fear has some irrational messages, very commonly irrational messages. And one of those that we started talking about just before the break was that we can somehow control how other people react to what we do. And we're afraid that if I don't do what they want me to do, then they'll be mad at me or they won't like me or they'll reject me. And all of those things belong 100% to those other people. They don't belong to me. I have no power to make someone reject me. I have no power to make someone angry. I have no power to make someone delighted in me. I have no power to, to make uh, them sad or mad or happy or glad or any of those things. I, have that, I don't have that power. That belongs 100% to them. So their reactions come from inside them. They don't come from me. They come from them. So I don't have any power over them. And if I can really, really, really get that, then I'm all of a sudden a lot less afraid because I don't have to worry about what they, how they react because that belongs to them. And they might get mad today and the same thing could happen tomorrow and they'll be sad or they'll be happy about it or they'll be just nonplus. It won't matter to them at all. Um, so it's, it really is very individual and it's moment to moment. It's based on their perceptions of life. It's based on their perceptions of themselves. It's based on their perceptions of how people ought to be. It's based on their judgments about people. It's based on all kinds of things that are inside them, not you. You don't have that power. So if we can really, really understand that, then we become a a lot less afraid. So that's another thing that fear tells us is that we should be worried so much about what other people are going to, how other people are going to react to us. We should, should, should live our lives based on that kind of fear. And there's so many of us that spend long years of our lives living into some kind of idea about some measurement, some standard that we imagine. And that's another thing we need to understand is that we're imagining what other people are going to think how they're going to react. We don't know how they're going to react. They might react one way today and another way tomorrow. But, but we imagine, with, because we have irrational thoughts, we imagine that they're going to react a certain way. And we're often surprised that they don't. We're often surprised that they don't. And, but even if they do, it's not our responsibility. So that fear is very, very present in our daily routines that we are uh, very commonly very anxious about what other people are going to think. And we, have, we try to get our behavior to line up with what we think other people need it to line up to so that they won't reject us. They'll think we're okay. Or maybe they'll even think we're really cool. Um, and so, you know, a lot of our society promotes that idea, the bullying that goes on in high schools and, and middle schools and grammar schools all over America is often based on the idea that I'm supposed to fit into some kind of uh, uh, standard of operation. I'm supposed to look a certain way. I'm supposed to talk a certain way. I'm supposed to act a certain way. I'm supposed to respond to my gender a certain way. I'm supposed to respond to my sexual orientation a certain way. I'm supposed to do these things. And if I don't do them, there's something wrong with me. And that is an illusion. That's what our society perpetuates, unfortunately, uh, but it's not the truth. And in order to, to, to deal with our fear, we're going to have to sit with truth, not lies. Because the, 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 the fear wants to lie to us. It wants to tell us all kinds of irrational things that just are just not true. But if we are to, to deal with the fear, if we are to find some peace, 
we must come to terms with truth. And the truth is that I have absolutely no power out over how you perceive me. That is 100% yours. So that's, that's one of the things we can start telling ourselves when we start observing the fear and hearing that it's telling us to be very afraid of what other people say or what other people think. We can talk back to it and say, well, what they think and what they feel belongs to them. It doesn't belong to me. There's nothing I can do to make them feel a certain way. One of the ways I think about this is I say, my people, the people that, are, that just really love me, they're going to love me no matter what I do. They may not like some of the things I do, but they're going to love me no matter what I do. And the people who are not my people, the people that just don't like me, are not going to love me no matter what I do. I could dance on the head of a pin and they would still not like me because they just don't like me. I don't have the power to make somebody like me. Now, they may change their minds, but that's usually inside them. Some shift has taken place inside them. It's not because I did something X, Y, and Z. They might attribute it to something we did, but they had to do something inside of them to make that shift. So, you know, that's, that's a real important fear that is real common that we need to definitely address and, and talk back to that fear and say, well, I'm not in charge of how they react to me. That belongs to them. So I'm going to figure out what it is that I want to do, what's really true for me to do, and I'm going to do that instead of worrying about what other people think. Now, when we take the challenge to do the opposite of what our fear tells us to do, fear says conform to what other people think. When we take the challenge to say, no, I've got to do it my way. So, for example, let's say um, that a person is gay. And their world says, you can't be gay, it's wrong, it's evil, it's bad to be gay. And they decide that those people have their own perceptions, but, but they're going to have to go ahead on and be who they are. There's probably going to be some fear, some residual fear that will come with that, but they'll also come with it a sense of self that feels grounded. So you can walk through that fear because you're grounded. Um, so... You know, that's what we're looking for is that deep feeling of, okay, I'm okay, even if the world doesn't agree with me, even if the circumstances are not what I thought they were going to be, I'm still okay. Uh, and I'm not just, I have some peace inside me. I'm not just okay, but I have some peace inside me. Um, that's what we're looking for. The opposite of fear is not, is not safety. The opposite of fear is peace. The opposite of fear is peace. So we can have peace even, and you know, even while you're having some fear, I should say this, even while you're having a little bit of fear, right beside it, you can sit, see, feel this deep abiding peace and that can be compensatory for the fear. So, uh, so what else does fear tell us? It tells us we're not, we're not, basically it tells us we're not good enough. We can't manage it. It's awful. You know, it's it, we're not going to be able to get through this. Okay, it's not going to be okay. Um, and and you know, it's predicting our future. That's basically what it's doing. It's predicting the future. It's telling us how the future is going to go, and therefore, it lies. Therefore, it lies. It doesn't know how the future is going to go. You know, it all the what ifs in the world cannot really predict the future our fears do not know what the future is going to be like 
We don't know if we're going to get sick. We don't know if we're going to get well when we are sick. We don't know if we're going to have a wreck today. We're not, we don't know uh, if the house is going to burn down. We don't know these things. What, what we do know is that I've got a connection to the divine, and I'm, I'm going to be okay because I have that connection to the divine, because I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I fear no evil. Why? Because I am right beside the divine, and the divine is right beside me. That's, that's the basic core message here. Um, and I love something else that that same, it's in the Jewish Tanakh in the Psalms and of the Old Testament, Psalm 23. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Well, I looked up that word follow, and uh, it's really interesting. It doesn't mean follow at all. It means chase. Surely goodness and mercy shall chase me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's very interesting to me when I think about fear from a spiritual perspective. I think about it as um, as a way of, of, of saying that there is no goodness, there is no mercy, I'm not going to be okay, there is no loving kindness. Um, um, there is no divine with me. I'm not. Everything is terrible. That's what fear says. The opposite of that is to say, surely goodness and mercy will chase me all the days of my life. So, to me, what that means is, even when I'm blind, even when I draw negativity into my life by by my misperceptions of life, by not being able to really receive the the honey and the dew that is in my life. Uh, when I'm when I'm shut down and I cannot really receive the wonderful things that are in my life every day, I don't I don't notice that goodness and mercy is chasing me, but it's still chasing me. And what it wants me to do, it's like knocking on my forehead, going, "Hello, hello, hello." There's surely goodness and mercy right out here. Look around. Goodness and mercy are right here in front of you, right here in your life, right now. Look around. Look around. It's chasing me down, even when I'm running from it. I love that. I think that's beautiful. That's one of the reasons why I look at the root language of the texts of the sacred texts of the Jewish Tanakh and the and the Old Testament and New Testament of the Christian Bible. Um, my background is more in the Christian uh, faith than than the other faiths, though I've spent a lot of time in study of the Hebrew text, the sutras, and the uh, the Gita and the uh, you know the Buddhist sutras and the Hindu sutras and the uh, other texts of the of sacred texts of those religions, I spent a lot of time in those. But my background is more in the Christian uh, motif. I will say that there's a lot that is passed as Christian that I don't believe, and I, I so I look to the root language. In the sacred texts of the of the of the Old Testament and the Jewish Tanakh and the New Testament, I look at the sec the original language and the root language to find out what it's really saying, and it's very commonly not saying what we've been taught that it says. So, uh, so I look up that lang- that word follow, and I found the word chase. Look it up yourself. You can do that online at crosswalk.com uh, or netbible.com. 
you can look those things up and see the Greek, the Hebrew language in its original form, and you can look at the words, the, the many words that can be translated, that could have been translated as instead of the word they chose. Follow doesn't even make sense there. It sounds like those things are coming behind me. Surely goodness and mercy are coming behind me instead of chasing me down. But it actually means it's chasing me down. So, uh, so yeah, that's another thing you can do to overcome your fear, to, 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 to you know, let fear not dominate your life, is to look at the sacred texts and see what they say about fear. There's a lot that's said in all of the sacred texts all over the world about fear and about uh, how we can be okay even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Be at peace. One of the things that Jesus said is, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but my peace, is, uh, my peace I give to you. So, um, and that, what that basically means is, I'm here with you, and I've got something special to give you if you connect with me. If you connect with the divine, there's something very sacred and special there for you. We have to stay connected to the divine there. So I encourage meditation every day, and uh, prayer every day, if prayer is one of the things you do. Uh, but try to stay connected to the vine. And then sit with your fear, listen to your fear, observe your fear, and then self-nurture. So that's our show for today. Your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. We'll be back again next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 